Well, here we are again. Father David, Merry Christmas? No, we missed that. We missed that by a long shot, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy. Well, it's over too. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Ordinary Time. Happy Ordinary Time. I think that we... I'm not going to say that we dropped the ball, because... To say we dropped the ball well, means that we intended... There was a lot going on. It means that we intended to record. And <laughs> I'm not sure either of us were too convinced that we were going to actually record yeah. while you were on the road. Right, right. I mean, it it can work with proper planning, right. which I did not do. Right. Well, I would not blame you completely because I also had... So for the last fortnight, uh, we have not recorded... Uh, so the entire Christmas season went unreflected uh, upon, um, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's fine. And as we record this, we are officially done, I think, with the Christmas season, having just celebrated the Feast of the Baptism. Uh, but I don't blame you completely because I also got COVID. <laughs> and so, <laughs> oh, yeah, you got COVID. I got the COVID. I got the Rona. And uh, yeah, so it's been kind of a... A crazy couple of weeks and so mm-hmm. i don't feel too bad about uh letting the go yeah. the show no, go it's fine yeah no and we need a break mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. yeah so anyway let's get back on that horse uh and as we record this <laughs> i got to preach today on the feast of the baptism of our lord which we did not talk about last week um naturally uh but i did end up preaching on it today and i gotta tell you right out of the gate I don't exactly understand how to preach about the <laughs> baptism of the Lord well. Uh-huh. Uh because I'm not entirely more. I'm not I'm not ent- <laughs> I'm not entirely sure I ever have really come to terms with why Jesus was baptized. Mhm. Uh and so like I know a lot of the verbal gymnastics that we do about like well his baptism wasn't our baptism and all that kind of stuff. But then we want to talk on this day about our baptism. And so I'm like, I don't exactly <laughs> yeah. know how to focus this day. So uh, full disclosure, I did end up preaching about our baptism as Christians. Um, but in particular with how Jesus's baptism was all about sonship. And then our baptism is about sonship, um, you know, being sons of the father. Uh, right. Which is fine, which is fine. But I got to say, I, I have a hard time with this with this feast. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those weird ones. And we talk about this often, like, do you preach the readings or preach the feast? Or it seems like these big ones, you do kind of need to at least mention the feast. Right, right. Um, And, you know, in that vein, I will just tell you, I don't know if you know this. You probably do because you have some Eastern leanings. Uh, But I did mention it in my homily that um, traditionally, especially in the Eastern Church, but also in the ancient church generally, uh, the Feast of the Epiphany, was actually three different moments in the life of Christ. Mm-hmm. Do you know this? Yeah. And I thought it was really striking this year, year C, we have all three of them consecutively on Sundays. Hmm. Yeah, that is neat. And so for those who don't know, so like you can celebrate the Epiphany as the Feast of the Revelation to the Gentiles with the Magi, but also as we had on the Feast of the Baptism, the Revelation of the Sonship of God, in the baptism of Jesus. But then the third one, which is actually our gospel for the second Sunday of ordinary time in year C is the manifestation of Jesus in his public ministry at the wedding at Cana, uh, which is kind of a cool triptych, you know, that we have uh, this year for year C. So anyway, so I did mention that in my homily and I probably as a segue would probably mention that again next week when we talk about the wedding at Cana. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's an important, (laughs) it's an important reading. (laughs) 
an important moment yeah. where Jesus, like you said, he begins his public ministry. And not just that, there's some really cool imagery that, that goes on. How, how would you, so let's just jump right in really quick. How, how would you uh, couch the wedding at Cana as epiphany? Well, I mean, it's kind of that revelation moment, yeah. you know, where the 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 miracles, the signs, which, as I've said before, you know, we, we tend to look at the magic tricks of Jesus as proof of his divinity, mm-hmm. which has never been the case, which has never been what the church has taught. Nor the New Testament, because, yeah. Exactly, because a lot of people who are not Jesus perform same those exact same miracles, right? Right, including raising people from the dead, right? Um, so I think it's an important, um, yeah, th- that one in particular, the wedding at Cana, is an important time where yes, there's a miracle component to it, but there's also a lot of, um, uh, th- yeah, there's a lot of un- uncovering who Jesus is and how he relates to. Um, the servants to his mother to the people at the at the at the feast mm-hmm. to God the Father like there's so many cool interactions that are going on yeah where you know we 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 do ourselves a disservice to only look and say ooh cool magic trick let's focus on that right right um, yeah no. you know one of there's a there's a really great homily by uh, Pope Benedict before he became Pope um, it's and he he preached this gospel for a diaconate or yeah for a diaconate ordination until apparently in the greek the the servers who are fil- serving the wine is diaconoi or something like oh, that oh interesting yeah um and so really tying that into their ministry of you know the ministers of the cup as the deacon yeah um and so that this is something that we are called to yeah yeah um, that's great yeah from jesus yeah totally totally uh, no, that's good. That's good. And, and I appreciate that, like, the manifestation of Jesus as miracle worker uh, is not sufficient. You know, it's a part of his ministry. But, you know, I think one of the things that I maybe would try to angle a little bit here is that the difference between Christ's miracles and the miracle workings of uh, the pagans or the magicians and all that. And maybe this is, I don't know if this is too far afield, but uh, I offer it to you as, as an option uh, for reflecting on this gospel is that Jesus's ministry, especially his miracles are always the fruit of obedience. Um, and I'm kind of curious if that, if there's something there about what it means to maybe be Christians, even of like disciples of Christ is that the role of obedience is that he, he works a miracle in obedience to the will of his mother. Um, and maybe is there a reflection there about the nature of obedience for the sake of, um, I don't know, for the life of the Christian that's important, that's sort of put on display here is that, you know, Jesus says that his time has not yet come, you know, his hour has not yet come, but he does it anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, I think there, I think that's totally right to look at the will of his mother and being obedient to her, but also consider the way that he's being obedient to his father. Um, he says, fill the jars with water, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So he's commanding in a sense, he's, he's performing this work um, with the word, his, his himself, right? Which connects, v- connects back to Genesis, as we said before, mm-hmm. um, uh, with the word became flesh and the word was with God and the word was God, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Um, and so every miracle that Jesus performs is always in service of how God, the father works, yeah. which is through the word. Um, through these commands, and he's so in that sense, he's he's not only saying, like you said, 
um, obeying his mother, but also imitating his father in that sense and not pointing just at himself, but to the, to the, to the father. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. Um, and, 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 and going back to the whole point of like the difference between the miracle workings of Jesus and that of any number of, you know, false prophets or magicians is that Jesus's obedience to his mother, his obedience and collaboration with the will of his father, like that is the marked difference between Jesus and the mm-hmm. rest, you know, um, is that it's not the fact that he makes water into wine. It's the fact that he does so because he's following the will of his father, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is very different than like Simon Magus is sort of in the back of my mind from the Acts of the Apostles, you know, it's sort of using earthly power and demonic wisdom, perhaps, you know, to to work some sort of miracle. It's like, well, right. That's not. It's usually for personal gain. Yeah, and that is never the case for Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. That's really good. That's really good. Um, good. So, what, what else? I also yeah. think it's worth. I also think it's worth noting that whenever we have Mary speaking, <laughs> uh, it's something to to focus to. Yeah. To focus on. Yeah. You know, and I keep going back to this line: um, "Do whatever He tells you." Mm. And again, thinking about that in in in. Um, context for us of ordained ministry, um, but to the Christian, right? We look to Mary as the model Christian for a reason, uh, and she's telling us, and I think we as ordained ministers tell, say to um, everybody else, but you know, we need to hear that as well, do whatever he tells you. It's like, don't think about it. <laughs> you know, there's that blind, in a sense, that blind faith that we are called to have. Right, right. Um, Right, where the focus isn't on the thing done, because that's whatever, uh, yeah. but on the one commanding it, which is him. Well, because what what do you have to do before you can do whatever he tells you? Listen to him. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good, that's good. Uh, let's take a step back. So the wedding at Cana is given to us as the last of the three epiphanies, uh, and it's put in conjunction with these two readings, one from 1 Corinthians, which is about all these spiritual gifts, uh, but the same spirit. And then this reading from Isaiah, which I can't really make heads or tails about uh, <laughs> in, in conjunction. So I, I'm not sure if you got a chance to think about that, but we've been reading from Isaiah these past couple of weeks. And it has a lot to do with, you know, today's gospel, for example, was comfort, you know, comfort to my people. And about the role of uh, John the Baptist, you know, of making straight the paths and leveling out, you know, the the mountain and filling in the valleys. But now we're back in Isaiah again, and I'm not exactly sure. It's the same kind of prophecy of good news, but how, how can you relate that to the wedding feast, well, you know? I mean, again, consider, like, consider the work of Isaiah, if I dare, if I dare um, to uh, boil it all down and to kind of get a... a, a catchphrase from Isaiah, it seems to me that he's always getting at God saying, you will be my people and I will be your God. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a relationship there that Isaiah is really driving at that. Again, I think that that's what these epiphanies, if you want to call them that, um, are getting at. How is, and perhaps that's a, that's a, um, a way that we can look at the baptism of the Lord, that it's not just about, well, he didn't need it, so he didn't do it. Okay. But remember you are my people and I will be your God. Like there's a, there's an intimacy there Yeah. that if I don't know you, if I don't walk with you, then I won't have that. Right. Right. Um, yeah. What do you make of the end of the first reading? Uh, as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. I mean, I think it's, it's, 
going back to exactly what I just said, like there's there's an intimacy there yeah. that that man and woman rejoice in as their um, in their in their marriage union. Right. Um, that okay, we're not looking at it in that particular way, but I think the emotional attachment, that emotional reaction, is one that absolutely we can we can focus on and say, mm-hmm. no, this is something that moves you, that changes you. No longer two, but now one. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and like the wedding at Feast at Cana, I find it, we, we uh, in my John class, when I was uh, studying theology, uh, was striking, is they were mentioning that the, the bride and groom are not mentioned. You know, their mm-hmm. names are not mentioned. You know, and sort of like we filling in the place of like, the, the role of husband and bride, bride and groom, are filled in by Jesus and Mary, who is the image of the church. You know, so Jesus and the church are like bride and bridegroom, you know, in this wedding feast, which is the image that John will take up again, you know, with, uh, you know, the book of Revelation and also, you know, Paul will do in the letter of the Ephesians. So that dynamic there that's being made manifest, epiphany of not only like at the baptism that, you know, we're sons of the father, but we're also members of the bride of Christ. You know, maybe there's something there about our relationship to God in intimacy, like you're saying, you know, that that's maybe what's on display for us with this revelation. Yeah. You know, I have to admit, uh, this may be an unpopular opinion, but like, uh, having all of these allegorical interpretations and stand-ins and well, if you were to, like you were talking about earlier about the, the verbal gymnastics that we go through with the baptism, like that strikes me as this kind of a similar thing. Yeah. Uh, it's like, okay, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. But like, what does that mean? Yeah. 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 And <laughs> in, in context of this, in, of this gospel passage, like, cool, you know, we can look to revelation. I mean, and I kind of did the same thing when I was talking about, you know, the, the commands of Jesus being similar to the commands of God in Genesis. Okay. But like, it's, there's so much more to that, that I, that I wonder if we, if we, and this I think is becoming one of my catchphrases, uh, we can lose, uh, the forest for the trees a little bit. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. And I'm with you. And I, and this, I think one of the things that I balk at a little bit, even though I, I was just, you know, harping on the, the bridegroom imagery, but like. I do get a little bit, uh, not even frustrated, just kind of a little bit annoyed with a lot of that imagery because it becomes hyper-spiritualized and not really concrete, mm-hmm. you know? Um, no, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, because if we're talking about do whatever he tells you and we, we create this huge s- structure where there's actually no actionable items available, hmm. it's like, what has just happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's good. I think maybe the the solution or maybe one of the helpful things there is what you were saying about intimacy. You know, what is the role of intimacy in our relationship with God? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. and not just... Well... Yeah. No, keep going, keep going. No, I was going to say, like, not just, you know, with the baptism, for example, there's all this language about mission, you know, being sent out on mission and being able to proclaim the gospel and the good news to the world. Uh, But there's also the Mary dimension, you know, not just the Martha dimension to our baptism, which is also a contemplative one that we are called to also be in union with Christ, you know, in an intimate way and not just justifying our faith by saying that we do a lot of good stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but that Mm -hmm. we also have an intimate relationship with him, a life of prayer uh, as well. I don't know. That might be one thing. No, totally. I think that's important. And, you know, it's funny um, not to bring... um, current events into our conversation, but it's, I think it's fascinating when you think about, um, the recent controversy from Pope Francis about pets. 
uh, into this mix. And you, clearly there is a disconnect between how we view um, things that we own and possess and conform to our own will, pets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, versus another person. You know, there's, there's, there is something selfish when we choose the, the, um, an object over a subject Yes. <laughs> to use, um, yes. to use John Paul II's language. Yes. Um, and I think that's something that can happen when we start to over spiritualize as you were talking with scripture, just at large, right? Because, because they're, you know, we're so good at saying, oh, well, um, material things, earthly relationships, human bodies, gross, that's bad, get it away from me. Um, where if you actually read the Old Testament and the New Testament, for that matter, you know, it's very clear. Uh, as a bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so shall your God rejoice in you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There is an intimacy there. Yeah. And now with Jesus becoming a human, a literal human being, we can, we th- that intimacy level is raised. Yeah. yeah. Because no longer can we say, and again, this is something else that I harp on, time and time again, like there is no way that we can call the things that God has created. I mean, this is the, the vision from uh, St. Peter, like what God has created, no man shall call profane. Right. Right. But we do that every single day. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. Um, no, that's great. That's great. Let, let, anyway, that was a little ranty. No, no, that's Sorry. good. That's good. I appreciate that. And let me just, uh, for the sake of time, just pivot to one other idea that uh, to take a page out of your book, I'm going to jump to the second reading really quick. Um, that I, I'm finding myself kind of drawn to maybe even preaching about this is because rhetorically, the second reading kind of lends towards focusing on a little bit. Uh, and in particular, just the repeated to another. Uh, so, mm. you know, to another, the expression of knowledge, to another faith, to another mm-hmm. gifts of healing, to another mighty deeds, to another prophecy. That kind of repetition rhetorically really draws my attention. And I think it could be a really wonderful opportunity to preach on the diversity of gifts, you know, in, in the body of Christ and that the jealousy that comes with not having what other people have. And I think this might be a departure from what we were just talking about with intimacy. Like this is kind of a different homily around ecclesiology and diversity of gifts within the body of Christ. I just think there's something to be said there about kind of calling Christians to task to stopping jealous of one another uh, and say, you know what, Jonathan, you are a really good painter and I'll never be that, you know? Uh, but I have other gifts that you don't have. And it's great because we have, we're members of one body and that's a really beautiful sign of, of God's love for us that we make up one beautiful, diverse, you know, group. And like, I, I don't see how I could relate this to any of the other readings, but I don't feel like you have to anyway. But like I think that in itself is worth mentioning. Yeah, no, I think that's important. And I think it does, um, I think it very much so uh, ties into this conversation of intimacy because think about, you know, how, how often we hear about the couple whose relationship falls apart because it wasn't what they thought it would be. Right. Or, oh, you've changed. It's like, well, are you kidding me? Of course we've changed. We're different, pe- literally different people now than we were then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so to think that it's going to always be the exact same, you know, we, we want, I think it's important for us to look at this, this diversity of s- spiritual gifts in our own selves as well. Like, I, I'm i not going to always think the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, now, hopefully I will in terms of, you know, the teachings of the church and all that stuff. Right. Um, I don't see... Those, those are... That's the same... The one spirit, right? Yeah. So these little things that can... 
that can lead us the other things, if you will, that Ignatius talked about that lead us to, to the main thing, which is to praise, reverence, and serve God. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's good. anyway. No, that's, anyway, no, that's good. That's good. I appreciate that. Uh, well, good. Any uh, parting thought from you? No, man. Let's just keep doing this, huh? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's uh, get back on that horse, all right? <laughs> all right, dude. Peace out. <laughs>